When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I am your host, Tim McKernan, live on podcast from thehomeloanexpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor here on the program. Ryan Kelly about to do his fourth annual climb for the kids. He's going to be climbing the Grand Teton in Wyoming. That shows you the character of Ryan Kelly. Not only are you doing business with a really good person, you're doing business with somebody who can save you money on your home or give you a cash out refi. If you have credit card debt, now is the time to eliminate that because interest rates are low and home values are high. Get the cash out of your home, pay off the credit card debt and start anew. You can do that right now on thehomeloanexpert.com or if you're in the market to buy a home, go online at thehomeloanexpert.com and do business with a very loyal sponsor and a really good guy, Ryan Kelly, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Now, Usually, every Sunday slash Monday, we release a new guest interview, but we knew we wanted to do a deep dive on the Cardinals with Derek Gould right after the trade deadline. And so our guest today, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, ladies and gentlemen, the great Derek Gould. Hello, Derek. Hello, Tim. How are you? I am wonderful, and I am really curious what your reaction was to the trade deadline. Mine was surprised and disappointed. I know you don't have the emotional attachment of fanboyness that I have, <laughs> so I know disappointed wouldn't necessarily come into play, but were you surprised? Oh, yeah, I was surprised. Uh, the Tommy Pham move was very uncardinal like in a lot of ways, a uh, player that you have control of, a player who's had a down year, after an exceptional year, right? I mean, just a breakout, breakthrough year. Um, you see, it's it's difficult to go, okay, well, they trade Tommy Pham and, you know, his low OPS and yet make a commitment to Dexter Fowler or Marcelo Zuna, and they're also equally, you know, off their career average, you know, disappointing seasons, right? So you see them really, you know, stick to and commit to the corner outfielders and they move the guy in the middle who they have the most control of. It's just, it in some ways, it's revealing of, of the vice that they were in because they weren't getting production from the outfield. So I was surprised in that way um, that that was the piece that had to go and that they did that, and they'll they'll argue this point. They'll, they'll, they obviously differ with this view, um, but they, they don't really have an heir apparent in center field. Um, it's They're going to try... O'Neal. Right, but think about how different this move is than so many of the other moves that they've made that are um, of the same ilk, right? When they traded Alan Craig, they were clearing room for Oscar Tavares, who is only one of the best hitting prospects that they had at the time. And I don't think there was anybody who would argue like, no, you know what, that guy needs to be in a platoon. No, that guy needed to play. Mm -hmm. And the front office was like, you're going you're gonna to play this guy. When they traded John Jay, you know, it was pretty much to clear space for either Piscotti or Grichuk. That made sense, right? I mean, you, you, you saw those two guys rising, and you go, all right, that, that's the kind of deal that makes sense. Um, you know, this past year, they moved Grichuk, create room for Tommy Pham. They moved Piscotti, obviously, for far, 
far more human reasons than than baseball reasons but also they clear a spot for azuna and every one of those things it makes sense they had a clear heir apparent um the heir apparent this time is hope is try is Bader gets on fire o'neill slugs his way into the role but you know figures out center field on the job um it's just it's it's a different one and and so yeah surprised that they moved tommy but more surprised for the layers uh, of the move uh you know it really did seem like um it, it seemed like a team that wanted its rebuild but to sell it as contention interesting but then I would have thought, see, when I saw that move come across at around 9.50 yesterday and we were wrapping up. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty morning, early in the morning. Yeah, I thought this is going to set the stage for what you just described in some capacity, not a, not a tank. It seems like now rebuild and tank are they're, put in the same category. And no, I, they're I two like different they're different, things. And I agree yeah, with you on yeah. that. Uh, and so I was excited about that because I felt like that's what they needed to do because yeah. this was so similar to 16 and 17, in my opinion. And then that was it. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by that, John Mazalek described it as hitting a single, not a home run. No, he. Uh, so I, the I, way that exchange went is, he said, um, "I'm not coming here to tell you that it was a home run." And Benjamin Hockman goes, "Well, to further your baseball analogy, what do you think it was?" And I said, "Mo, did you move the runner over?" Because it was a. I mean, it was. You've been around. I mean, it was that kind of exchange between Mo I heard, and me. Uh, Frank Cusimano was playing on. Change with him. Oh, was he? Oh, yes. okay. For the masses. For the masses. That's wow. correct. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right. Uh, Something which about is appeasing good. you, I believe, was the exchange you had. Yeah, appeasing me. Yeah, that, so. That's where it started, and then uh, and then he kept referring to every time he would go to the, you know, that may not be your opinion. He would turn back to me or point to me, right. <laughs> um, which is fine. That's just fine. I mean, you know, maybe people every so often wonder, you know. Like, well, why don't you guys ask the tough question? It's like, well, because usually they're not on TV. You know, usually we pull them aside. But this was a case where um, it was time to ask that kind of question. Mm-hmm. And if you get pushed back, then you, then you, you, I strike, I like to strike the tone in which the person strikes. You know, look, you, you're going to start pulling me into this conversation, say appease me. I, I can play ball yeah, that yeah, way. Yeah. Once you fire a yeah, shot, then I'm, I'm gonna, good with that. Then I'm so, going to get involved. And so I said, you move the runner over, and he goes, like he looked at me like, really? And he goes, "I'd like to have a single." So that's how that. Got it. That's, that's how good. That good context. Well, yeah. from my standpoint, because I'm not down at the ballpark every day, like you. Which, are, by the way, moving the runner over, a, a a skill that maybe the Cardinals haven't done enough this season. So maybe it was a compliment. <laughs> I'm sure that was the intent. I need to do a deep dive you on know, that. You know, I mean, in honest, I was I was complimenting his fundamental game. <laughs> and he would, of course, get a large ovation. From nice the lower situational bowl. hitting. So I, because I'm not down there every day, and I knew, I, as I described, I was surprised and disappointed and, and confused. Actually, I would add those, that adjective. Yeah. Uh, I uh, texted him around 10:30 last night and said, I, "I can imagine you have zero interest in doing this, but on your way home, I wanted to wait until the game was over, mm-hmm. uh, if you could give me a few minutes because I want to understand what the thought process was on what oh, happened good. today, so I would have a better understanding before you and I talked. Even though I know you, of course, would talk with him." And also because I knew our audience would be angry, as the St. Louis Cardinal fans, whether they be morning after listeners or 101 listeners, have been for a while now. Right. So I wanted to get his context. And he did give me a call at around 11 o'clock. We talked for about 15 minutes. And I said, I would say the headline of it would be this. I went into 
yesterday, and I've gone into both 16 and 17 hoping that they would kind of turn the page on on some of the core members and capitalize on who they have at the major league level to try and bring in some assets because I'm of the opinion that while certainly you could assign a probability of whatever you would assign, 1% that this team could win the World Series, 20% that they get to the postseason, that's where I am anyway with my arbitrary probability. Okay. Uh, it's not that's like, a lot of teams to climb over. Well, I know, but I mean, that's why I'm giving it a one in five shot. Yeah, yeah. And you might, I guess you're saying that's pretty high. Yeah. Uh, but when you have 2006 and 2011, it's hard to ever go, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. And I think the organization might be penalized by the fact that they hit two one-outers. But with that all said... Uh, I wish they would turn the page, especially after what happened in 16 and 17. But I also get that in 16, they were in the mix for the wild card. In 17, they were in the mix for the central at the trade deadline. And so I get it. Mm -hmm. I just feel like they're going to be in this purgatory again by not doing much this year, which is why I was hopeful that they would. And I don't know if you saw Greg Amsinger on MLB Network. I tweeted out. I heard about it. Well, I saw your tweet. Okay. And he got a little fired up. Harold Reynolds and him had an exchange, and he said— You you were saying that what the headline? What was the headline? Well, that's what I'm getting to. The the headline was, I said, similar to what Amsinger said. And I didn't say it because Amsinger. I'm like, oh, this is great to watch on television, a cardinal discussion where somebody's just being blunt. Now, what did I do? I liked it. And he said, well, if you're going to trade Tommy Pham, then why not look at trading— you know, Matt Carpenter. Why not look at trading Marcelo Zuna? And then he got into the Molina thing, which I personally disagree with, not because I worship at the altar of Yadier Molina, but just because I recognize there'd be some major backlash in the fan base on that. There probably would be with Carpenter and Ozuna, but not as much as a, a guy mm-hmm. who's a legacy player in, in, in Molina. And also, I think he has value with what he does for the pitching staff. And if you're building around young pitching, why would you trade away a guy? So anyway, I disagreed right. with him on that. The point being, I said to Mazalak, I said, did you ever get to a point where you were looking at trading somebody whose value is very high right now in Carpenter, whose contract might be attractive to an organization since he's under contract for another year? And Ozuna goes, no, 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 no. He goes, he goes, we're not, we're not looking to blow this team up. We still think we can win. And I, and I was kind of surprised to hear mm-hmm. him say that, you know, because we weren't on camera. But he said, I could talk about what we talked about. And I said, in 2018, kind of like surprised. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, if, if we can get hot, I think we can win. He goes, but where we are is we wanted to give some guys some chances and then reevaluate where we are based on what we see over the final two months in the mm-hmm. offseason. So they didn't want to sell off because they wanted to keep this group in some capacity together, but they do acknowledge that they will reevaluate. My issue with that is I feel like, and you would know better than I do, Derek, because you're there all the time and you have these conversations on and off, uh, you know, away from cameras, that I feel like this is similar to what we've heard the last couple of years. And so then there's a lot of anticipation for the offseason and then the offseason has underdelivered, which then matches up with July 31st. So there's there's some, I understand. I think this last off season under de- delivered only because they were in the Stanton race, right? I mean, if if there wasn't talk of Stanton and the Cardinals acquired Azuna, how would it be under delivering? Because there was every indication that's that Azuna was the kind of hitter that they needed. I agree with that part. I think the thing that for me, because I sat down with Mo for the the podcast, yeah. And I said, so what's your priority? And I honestly thought he was going to say hitting. Oh, no, no question. Oh, he, he said, said closer. He said, he said 1A, bullpen, 1B, impact bat. Yeah. And, yeah, they did sign and trade for bullpen guys, but I don't think anybody was going, oh, good, they got Gregerson. Let's go get him. So, and Leon, who I know they were high on. That's fair. Um, and then the, Holland didn't come until yeah, opening day. Right. Maybe this is uh, – maybe this comes from being around a lot or uh, – 
Uh, okay, let me put it this way. This definitely, this definitely comes from being around the team for whatever, how many years now? What a decade and a half, fifteen years. Um, but I want to add that it's totally reinforced by what's happened this season. Is you don't spend on relieving. So when the Cardinals were talking about like, hey, one is get a bat, one A is get a get a closer. It it didn't strike me as a true one and one A. And and maybe that's my fault, but I, but I kind of went like, okay, yeah, I get it. You got to say that, and maybe the manager wants you to say that, and maybe the you're saying that for the fans. But I know in in Mo's front office and where in the room where it happens, their preference is not to pay for relief pitching. They they have not. I mean, at so the, Holland was a monster outlier. Monster outlier, right? Cecil, monster outlier. Yeah. And what has been reinforced this season? You know, like for me, the Bud Norris move was the cardinal move. I mean, you know, they sign him to a deal. They say, look, we think you can be a part of this. You're really good. And, you know, you know, um, off camera go, this guy might be our closer. This guy might do it. You know, that's, that's the cardinal type move for back end bullpen. Why is that? Because that's... Um, I'll give them credit because that's what all teams should do. You know, there are very, very, very few true great closers who, and and I mean great in the sense that they do it every year. Yeah. I mean, you can you can you can probably count them on one hand. Yeah. Um, they are, and that's what made Trevor Rosenthal so valuable is because he was on the precipice of that. And I get it; people were like, "Well, he walked too much." Blah blah blah. He also got used a lot, and then his arm gave out. Um, but he was on the precipice of being that kind of guy where you're talking Kimbrell, Chapman, and very as far few as you're others. In, you're out. But yeah. you look at Melanson, what he got. You look at Wade Davis. Look at the Rockies and their $100 million bullpen. Yeah. How many of those get? You know what they were looking for at the trade deadline? Relieving. They spent more than $100 million guaranteed on relief pitchers to shorten games. They go into June, and they, at home, they have a starting rotation with a sub-2 ERA. At home, at Coors Field, and they are looking for bullpen help where they, you know, they just, I get what they were trying to do, shorten games and throw money at it. It was very interesting. Um, it was an you know good idea, but, you know, relief pitching is so volatile that you can have a guy who, like, a, uh, you just have guys come out of thin air and you have guys retreat into it. Yeah. And and the oh, the, so the closers that that defy that trend. Looking at all star game rosters of just the five years would probably would highlight do it. that. Oh my gosh. No, no, and I've looked at it. You're you're so true. I mean, look, Greg Holland, all star, all star gone. Wade Davis. Look look at the uh look at the 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 cons- what what would that be? Look at how consolidated the talent was in Kansas City's bullpen. Right. You know, for a while. I mean, they had what three guys closers, was right? That Herrera, Holland, Davis. Yeah. Now look at where they are. You know, I mean, Herrera moves moved around. Davis struggling. Holland struggling. You know, I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of the bullpen is depth and catching lightning. You know, the Cardinals caught lightning with Bud Norris. There is something to that. The, they caught lightning in '06 with Wayne Wright and in '11 and Mott. Yep, and that's developed. And they weren't the closers in yeah. August of that, those years. It right, is, that's it right. Amazing how they that caught lightning works. with Salas. Yeah, 
Fernando Salas was the team leader in saves. In the world So was game. Edward Mejica, who was a, you know, uh, who was an all-star as a closer. It, not one of those guys did they sign for $14 million based on his resume. Mm-hmm. The, the, the front office has long felt, as long as I've been around, and this goes back to Walt Jockety, has long felt that when you go and sign a closer for high dollars, you are paying for saves he already had, mm. and it's a bad investment because you are paying for a stat that maybe you, you know, your analytics say isn't as valuable as the dollar figure put on it. But worse, you're paying for things that have already happened for another team, and you're not going to get the benefit of mm. them. So that, that when back to your point about the the one and one a, to me, I I, got, I understood maybe why he was saying that, but to me the, the need for a closer never rose to the level of the need for a bat and and I think their actions played that out yeah. um so the the Gregerson line the signing and them saying well he's going to be closer that, that, warm that up. It, yeah that never really I mean it was news but it never resonated with me as a reality because you know they were going to throw Hicks and Hudson and this group at it and they just didn't want to oversell that and then there's always pitching available Bud Norris um if you remember Addison Reed was still available at the winter warm-up. Yep. He signed during the winter warm-up. Um, but Addison Reed was that type of guy. And it's like, okay, they, they, they can always find somebody. What you do, a quick and easy way to do this is to just go to the strikeout rates over the last three years or whatever. Look at the guys who strike out a whole bunch per the innings pitched. Walk, don't walk a whole lot. And who's not, who doesn't have a bunch of saves. Say that's the guy. He could probably, if he can handle the ninth, you know, then he could be the closer. At worst, he's your eighth, and you find somebody else. Yeah. You know, I mean, you want to know how valuable Jordan Hicks is. Jordan Hicks has the ability to be one of these rare guys who gets the job and keeps the job yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And you can look around the league and not find many of those. Again, very small group. So with that established regarding the bullpen. Let's start uh, there with the Cardinals, obviously one of the monster issues for the team's shortcomings so far this season. Were you surprised that Norris was not moved yesterday? Uh, Somewhat, um, somewhat because of the teams that were um, nosing around. I'm, I'm, you know, if, if you read the tea leaves, I haven't had anybody come right out and confirm this and I'm not sure they ever will. Um, But, you know, Colorado called and was at, I was interested uh, Boston had scouted him and had some interest, and um, Dave Dombrowski was telling reporters that uh, he had a deal in place for a re- for a reliever that fell apart. Um, you know, so it could but have never been, specified the team. Never specified the team. Never specified the reliever. Um, there were a few guys that moved around. Obviously, um, you know the the Cubs and Dodgers were on the lookout for relievers. Um, Pirates too. These are teams that maybe. You know, I, the Cardinals weren't going to deal Bud Norris to the Cubs. It's doubtful the Dodgers, who had Bud Norris, you know, I don't know how eager they would have been to revisit that. Um, you know, Pirates, the Cardinals aren't going to deal with the Pirates. So, um, you know, it, it was a case where they did not get the return that they wanted um, and what they were weighing that against. Because people will go, well, the return is better than zero. They're going to get zero when he walks away. And that's not what the Cardinals were weighing it against. The Cardinals were weighing it against the stability that he has brought to the bull, to the back end of the bullpen. And they, they were like two months 
of having a known quantity in the ninth so we can sort out all the young guys in front of them. How, how much is that worth to us versus what we're going to get? And actually, I, I understand that equation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do. Less clear is, you know, they clearly didn't get an offer that they felt was up to the value of Jose Martinez. That's exactly where I was going next. Um, that one is a little bit, that one's a li- that one's more surprising. That that one's more surprising to me than Bud Norris because you now have a guy who is clearly able to hit in this league. But as a bench player. But has been reduced right. to a pinch hitter. Um, you know, I mean, he, he, he hasn't done anything but prove that he can hit. And the fact that a team, I don't, I don't know if the Cardinals were asking too much or you know, or that just there just wasn't a team out there that was looking for the DH or that, you know, the Cardinals certainly wanted everyday player value in return for him because he's got four four years, five more years of control. Um, and, the you know, he hits like an everyday player. So they definitely wanted everyday player return for him. So you had to, you'd have to find a team that um, that was willing to pay that and then have an everyday role open for him. Now, that's hard to do for a contender. That's mm-hmm. hard to find. Um, probably, probably a guy who will be moved this winter though. You figure with this, this winter in particular, the thing that stood out to me was that Mazalek, like I said, it was, it was a calm conversation. It was an affable conversation. Uh, but then when I said, you know, about the idea of trading Carpenter Ozuna, he's like, no, 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 no. That was like the one time he kind of got worked up. And I guess that just tells me that my perspective and his perspective, it's like conservative liberal. We just see things differently. I just feel like this team is a good ways away. So many parts away mm-hmm. uh, that, and I worry about what's happened in 16, 17, 18, that this means we're going to see a lot more of this in 19 and possibly 20. Um, but perhaps they are of the opinion and knowledge that they are going to go all in on a free agent of monster proportions this offseason. Of course, they can do that all day long. If the free agent doesn't want to come here, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. uh, what they do. Do you think that is part of the equation for the Cardinals this offseason? Well, it ought to be. I mean, I think they've they've now made it clear that they need it to be. Now, A lot uh, of money coming off the books. Well, they have, I mean, they don't need a lot of money. They have a lot of money. I mean, the, the but Cardinals. I think, uh, I think with the fan base again, I try and I try to represent the fan base. Even yeah. though I know sometimes it can you have the wing of the fan base that you know, but from the the bell curve of the fan base, yeah. so to speak, uh, they're going. Well, you're only going to have Wainwright. You're not going to have Holland. You know, sure. And I understand so, so that. there should be dollars available, even though their dollars are available. Dollars are available. Now, yeah, anyway. every team has money. Right. I don't. I don't but, I mean, but in other words, there's no excuse. To not so if you want to say oh we don't spend money on a guy in his thirties okay well Machado and Harper are both in their twenties so. no yeah the only excuse is that the other team said no and then at which point in time the Cardinals are long overdue for some real self realization about why they no longer draw I mean if that this winter shouldn't be the time when they realize this mm-hmm. it should be Hayward saying no it should be. Um, it should be Stanton saying no. It should be, you know, a free. It should be the extra year to get Dexter Fowler that they had. Yeah, that they had to give. You know, I mean, it. You know, it, the. It should be the fact that they look around and go, wait, every team has money. What do we have to offer better? All right, and how do we maximize that? Because it's not 
Like, I mean, I, and I know it sounds trite, but it's not, you know, they, it's not the, the biggest city in the division. It's not the hippest city in the division. It doesn't have a beach. You know, you think about, think about Miles Michaelis, right? Miles Michaelis had opportunity to go a lot of different places, including the Cubs, right? right? Um, why did he choose St. Louis? You know, um, partially because the Cardinals struck up a really good rapport with him. The scout who worked it, um, you know, struck up a good rapport with Alan Nero, Miles Michaelis's agent, and Nero's son. The two people who represent Michaelis, they they spoke to Michaelis. They struck up a good rapport, but also because they have spring training in Jupiter, which is where he's from, and he could stay at home, which now to every should realize everybody should realize why um you know his wife pregnant with twins and he's got a young daughter as well he's starting a family and he told me the other day that you know he knew during this first year at some point in time he was going to be without his family for a lengthy stretch and he was hopeful that they would be back home in jupiter and that you know he would also be in a spot where he's comfortable he has family here in St. Louis, right. you know, so you look at the reasons why they won those. There were some peripheral reasons. So the Cardinals should understand what going into a free agent, they can actually sell a guy. And maybe Taylor, you know, they went in to talk to Stanton. They gave the sales pitch and told him a lot about the history, um, a lot about who he would be able to join, a lot about what, you know, the 40,000 in the in the crowd and everything like that. You know, and to Stanton, it's like a, a lot of those things I'm going to get anywhere I go. I want to know about the future. Mm-hmm. And they talked to him about the pitching that's coming up and everything like that. And, you know, maybe he didn't soul on it. Maybe he just wanted Madison Avenue. Or maybe, you know, his final four teams, so to speak, final four teams, happened to be the final four teams from last year. Right. So that's not a coincidence. Yeah. So what do they have to sell? Um, and And how do they tailor that message? There are a number of ways they can do that. One is they can offer, they can do the Boston Red Sox, what the Boston Red Sox did to them with David Price, which is go so absurdly overboard with an offer that the guy just can't say no. Um, Two, they can decide to hire a manager in the opening weeks that they think can be not just a manager on the field, but also a great recruiter, um, sort of a, a draw for free agents. That's tough to do, but maybe they can go that route. The other way is to go, you know, free agents aren't aren't going to work for us. It's just not a market that we're going to excel at because we understand that, you know, now the Cubs exist and the Cubs are appealing and in this division and, you know, that uh, while short travel and all that stuff is very appealing to certain players or to a lot of players, you know, selling that as the reason to come with the Cardinals or or the fact that you have the red coats around, you know, having that be the selling point that those just don't resonate like they used to. So you got to trade. You have to trade. You have to find guys who are, you know, easing into the more expensive years of their deals, um, or you have to identify guys before they break out. That's very. Those are high degree of difficulties for two reasons. One, uh, every team has money. So you are seeing fewer trades like Edmonds and Roland and Holiday and things like that, right? So you're just seeing fewer of those. Um, two, um, 
if you're going to try to identify a guy before he gets the riches, then you're making a move like Azuna. And you have to weather it a little bit if maybe he's not quite the guy who he was at his best. Mm -hmm. But Azuna's definitely the kind of... I mean, through the Azuna deal, you may have seen the future of the Cardinals. Um, If they had gotten Christian Yelich, if they had the chance to trade for Christian Yelich, if they had gambled and not, and Azuna goes to the Giants, and the Cardinals waited out to get Yelich, and it worked for them, you would definitely see the future of the Cardinals. That that would have been the play that they're like, okay, this is this is how we do things. And to, to just briefly revisit the Ozuna Sorry Yelich. for the monologue. No, 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 no. It's a conversation. So, Because uh, I've had people say, why didn't they go after Yelich? I, I mean, you were saying Christian Yelich, while the playoffs were still going on last yeah, yeah. year, you'd been saying Yelich... And I think that's who they were most interested in. Mm-hmm. But to be clear, the Marlins initially said he's not going to be that's going right. anywhere. And then they eventually did. And then the Brewers paid what they paid to get him. Yeah. So the way that went, and you're a, you're a poker player, so you'll appreciate this. Okay. Basically, you think of it as in rounds of poker, right? You know, you have uh, the you know what what is Annie's blinds? No, the um, you have three cards down, right? And then you have the river, yeah, and the, yeah. or I'm sorry, the turn, and then the river, yeah, yeah. right? Flop, okay. turn, and river. Flop, turn, and river. So the flop is Stanton, mm-hmm. and those cards go up, and every team has to decide. All right, I got to pay to get into this, right? I got to yeah. pay a lot to get into this, but I don't know if the turn's going to come, and I don't know what card is going to be on the turn. I don't know if it's going to be Azuna. I don't know if it's going to be Yelich. I don't know if the dealer's going to get up and walk away because right. no one's in on the hand. Right. Okay. So you, you flop goes down. Everybody goes in. They're 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 a little little a uh, little concerned, a little a little anxious because it's a heavy price, um, and you don't. I mean, you know the kind of cards you're getting because you can see them. The other two you don't know. Uh, you know it's Stanton. So it goes around and everything like that. Cardinals don't get picked for that one. So they go, and this happened. Um, the Marlins called up and said, "Hey, Stanton has made his decision. He's chosen not to go with the Cardinals." Um, at that time, Mosellock goes, we are still interested in your next two outfielders. What do we do to make an offer for them? And Marlon said, we'll get back to you on that. We're going to take care of Stanton first. We're doing this in order. They directed it. Um, so they trade him to the Yankees. Get to the turn. Teams who are interested in the Marlins outfielders, like the Cardinals, who are interested in either of the two that they have left, the Giants, who are also interested in either of the two yeah. that they have left, they now await the turn. Turn flips over. Marlins say, we're trading Azuna. Um, Cardinals then have to make a decision. Do they make a bid for that on the chance that they don't ever get to the river because the Marlins might just keep the guy with the contract right. long term? Or do they ignore Azuna and try to go all in on the river, Yelich, knowing that it may not happen and then they end up with zero. Right. So that's the bet. Right. Right. And that's when it becomes real. Is do you want Yelich so bad that you're willing to accept zero if they don't trade him, or if they trade him elsewhere, which is possible, or do you want an impact bat so bad that you make the play for Azuna? And if they say yes, you have him. And if they say no, then you go in all in on Yelich. If you're the Marlins, you could have played it this way and said, 
Um, okay, Cardinals, um, you could have hoped, and maybe they did, you could have hoped that the Giants had the better offer for Azuna because now you know that you have a captive audience in the Cardinals because yeah. they went 0 for 2 and right. they have they want to get a right. guy. And so you can extort more for Yelich. Um, you know, I, I talked to Christian Yelich about how this all went down for him, you know, as he's watching, to continue our metaphor, as he's watching the Cardinals, right. you know, the cards go on the table. Right. And, uh, and he said that he was getting ready to go to Arizona. He was, I'm sorry, he was getting ready to go to Jupiter. Um, and that he was of the impression that he was going to be a Marlin and traded during this season. Um, he said, I had set my plans. I had packed my bags. I was all set to go to Jupiter. Um, expecting full well because the message I was getting from the team was that I was going to be around and then eventually moved. I figured I'd be moved during the season. Mm. Um, so even, you know, and you think about how that trade was made, it wasn't made until January yeah. with, with the Brewers. So that's, that's the bind that the Cardinals were in. Um, now you can argue that it seems to be a bind that the Cardinals are always in where they want and the other team dictates. I don't know how to break from that cycle. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you can um, be so data driven and so um, meticulous in in what you try to seek in deals, and then also be aggressive enough to take direction of deals. I don't, I don't know. That's. I think that's a real question that the Cardinals have to find out. I, I, with with what happened yesterday, with where the team is right now, and then this free agent class this yeah. off season, is the is there one of these guys who you go, yeah, I think that's who they would really like to make the all in play on. Um, to me, it seems obvious that it's Machado, but I, I know that I don't get that sense. You, no, I don't. Well, I'm looking at it from a like. I'm looking at it from what seems to be a logical perspective for the need and what the organization oh. has bristled against as far as age and committing that length of contract in yeah. the past. So yeah, I mean, he lines, up. And yeah, he lines yeah. up in that capacity. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But would he want to come here and would the Cardinals pursue him like The that? vibe is no. The, the vibe is the, no. The vibe is that he is not headed here. Um, talk to people around uh, baseball, talk to agents who have to be aware of what the market is, before the market develops, um, talk to other folks who know Machado very well. And I, ha and I have, I mean, this isn't something I do this past week. This is something I've done for a year and a half. Um, I remember, I remember being at Dodger stadium last year, um, you know, talking with a few scouts and some agent, I mean, LA, obviously there's a cluster of agents, including, you know, I mean, the, the agents for Machado are based out there and Harper's agent Boris is out there. So these are people who are invested in, even if they're, on the periphery, the, these are people who are invested in the in the coming storm, if you will. And you know, they, they, this general sense is that Machado is. I mean, the 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 vibe at the time was that he's going to be a Philly. You know, the Philadelphia yeah. has the spot open, has cleared so much room financially, has built up a team that is competing now, should be peaking next year. Um, they are in a division where they could see Harper at Washington leaving, um, the Marlins crumbling, um, and the Braves building for youth. So, I mean, they just they see that as like the uh, the 
the final piece, the, the, you know, the, the one that not just turns them into the team that can contend, but turns them into essentially the Cubs of the NL East or what the Cardinals were in the NL Central mm-hmm. 10 years ago. I mean, that, that's how they saw it. And that was the general vibe. I don't know how now Machado being in LA, um, how that changes things. I could see him staying in LA, oh. which makes it interesting for Harper. Um, because you, know, you think that if you had to bet that would have been his landing? Yeah, it would have been one of them. Yeah. You know, certainly, 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 definitely would have been one of the teams that uh, Boris would have played against everybody Are else. Are the Yankees going to be in playing him? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. My I mean, God. they're they're crowded. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. That's what uh, I was yeah. thinking immediately. I mean, if, they, if they're in play for him, um, it would be, it would be a, uh, it would be an old school Yankee kind of move. It'd be a yeah, George be. Steinbrenner yes, type of move, be. not a Brian Cashman type the of late nineties. Uh, yeah. Empire. Um, it would be, or even like 1980s. Yeah. Like, it'll go get that yeah. guy no matter the cost. Um, I don't think they can be dismissed. I, I don't. Cubs. Uh, yeah. I think, th- I think, I don't think you say no to any team with Harper. I think Harper's very interesting. I brought this up in the chat the other day, and it was something that was brought to my attention at the uh, at the All Star game, and and also at other times during this this season, um, back to spring training, was that you know the, it was kind of presented to me like, look, that you know, the Cardinals go out and get Azuna, they have Fowler, they have Fam, they have this commitment to this outfield that you know should be together and should be really good. Um, it would seem to close off the Cardinals as a landing point for Harper for a lot of reasons, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it just seemed that way. Um, but in spring training, it was like there there's a series of events where you could see the Cardinals being in play for Harper. Um, and, you know, I don't know how much of that is just there's a series of events you could see any team involved for a player, right? There's a There's a series of events where I could see the Colorado Rockies being interested in Bryce Harper, right? You have to go through some contortions to get there, but right. you could get there. You know, you could see where the Tampa Bay Rays would be interested in Bryce Harper. But again, I mean, how likely? H- right. How likely? Um, so, at the at the at the All Star game, what was described to me was that you know Harper's season and the kind of just odd season he's had, such a low average, so many shifts, all this stuff that it could play into the the Cardinals or play in that direction in the sense that, you know, what what team is really going to go super overboard on the crazy contract on the guy, except for A, a team that has a great need for that kind of player, for a transformative franchise-level player, right? Franchise-face player. Right. Um, one that can see past sort of the outlier stats and see to the centerpiece that he could be um, and is willing to stomach it a little bit. Uh, and then uh, and then one that can attract his attention. Um, is he going to have the, if he, is he going to have his pick of teams? And is he going to have his pick? This was the question that was presented to me. Is he going to have his pick of teams? Sure. Is he going to have a, his pick of max offers from every team he wants, that's less clear. And that's where there would be a window for the Cardinals. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Like if he were to make his list of these are the teams that I want to go to, 
Dodgers, Cubs, whatever. It, are all of those going to offer max deals to get him? And if the answer is no, then there's the opening for the team that might not be the big city, that might not be the friend Chris Bryant or the history, right. but there might be the team that you can win with, the culture you can win with that is way different than Washington. I think we all agree that Cardinals are way different than Washington. Um, and he's got an, you know, somebody was talking to him about the appreciation he has for baseball history. So maybe that resonates. That's what I, that's what I was about to ask. I, I, I don't, I, because of, I, I think, you know, the, the, can, can we talk about an alternative before you say this? Of though? course. No, no. But at the end, after you say this, but I would like to, we focus on Machado You're and Harper. Pollock. No. Oh, oh yeah, I would do that. Yeah, you bet. Okay. But I want to talk about, alternative oh interesting yeah. well, no I will, all i was going to say is for being as big of a star as he is in the game for having been around now since what 2012 or 11 was his first year his rookie of the year was the same year as trout so yeah it's six years yeah trout, so 12. i mean for, for all of that his i feel like he's a to, to me anyway now maybe you're like no 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 he's super accessible and here's his personality i feel like he's a bit of a mystery guy so when i was out playing golf and and he was out there fishing by himself. Yeah. You know, couldn't have been friendlier because I hit a ball near him, yeah. like, and I didn't realize it was him. And then we, you know, talked for like a minute. Uh, and I'm, I'm just like, you know, as I was talking to people, I said, "Yeah, Randy Bryce Harper, look at this. How weird is this? Uh, he's out fishing by himself. I'm out playing by golf by myself." And I thought to myself, he was very friendly. He wasn't like, "Hey, let's hang out" or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Why would he be? But I, I was curious what his personality is in other way. In other words, whereas Stanton. Uh, you know, may have wanted New York. Uh, I think, for example, Edmonds, when he was here and he was in L.A., he's like, yeah, nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares who I am when I'm with the Angels. And he appreciated how much baseball was appreciated mm -hmm. here. It depends on what the player individually Absolutely. wants. So what is your awareness of Harper's personality? You covered them all? And what are the guys who yeah. cover him in Washington? So. Yeah, I'm... I wish I had a good answer for you. So is he kind um, of a mysterious guy? Because I just don't no. feel like he does a whole lot of... In I don't see him doing interviews. Maybe he does print. I just don't see him... Yeah, I mean, but you could say that about every baseball player. That's <laughs> baseball's problem, right? right? I mean, that's that's the that's this whole Mike Trout consternation that has been going right. on. And, um, you know, Bryce Harper, you know, comes across really well in commercials. He's obviously a commercial success. Um, you know, I, I think the Bryce Harper that appeared at the home run derby. Um, the writers there said that's not the that hasn't been the guy that they've seen in years. And it was like what he was like the ambassador of DC for yeah, that time. Yeah, and pointing to his bandana, enthusiastic, you know, thrilled to be there. I mean, and he put on a sh like he put on a show. He did. He did. And Made some not drama. Yeah, not just like a show um, you know, like um how to say this? This he didn't put on a magic act that everyone went. Oh, those are cool tricks. Right. He put on Hamlet, <laughs> like he was full blowtorch Kenneth Branagh Hamlet, and it was like, wow, this is this is talent, and this is charisma, and this is enthusiasm, and he is loving it. How much? Of the, I mean, it was the perfect crucible for it, right? Okay, I apologize for the theater references. Yeah, a lot of theater references um, on so, the podcast. We yeah, don't get enough of those. Yeah, so it, it was a perfect crucible for it, um, in the sense that dad pitching to him, right. hometown, national TV, 
buddies ang- egging him on. I mean, Doolittle and Scherzer, right? right? Okay. Um, so y- you can see the 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 uh, you you can see how uh, it would bring out the best in him. But that's something that they hadn't seen in a while. The writers were saying, um, you know, and and actually Bryce talked about it that in the press conference is like, you know, just how much fun he had yeah. and and how much of a grind either facing all the shifts or looking up at 220 or whatever. Like, you know, for a moment there, it was like, all right, I can dominate this game again. I don't have to have all the uh, all the baggage on me, you know, to uh, to to carry. I don't have to have all that mm-hmm. weighing on me. Um, so I don't know. I don't know which guy would show up. You know, I think that's a fair question. But but I don't think, and I don't I don't think that guys are. Uh, I don't think baseball players are that simple. I think the game is so defeating that it brings out facets in guys. You know, like uh, like the story I did on Matt Carpenter, right? Um, you know, just went and walked, and he gave me a tour of his garden. I get a lot of emails saying, like, this is a side of the guy that we've never seen. Okay. I mean, <laughs> it makes sense, right? Because everything is through the lens of what you see him do on the field. And there are times when you see, you know, when you saw the batting average just weighing on Matt Carpenter. Or as a fan, if that batting average was an eyesore for you, then you were seeing Matt Carpenter through that. And you must mm-hmm. be like, man, he must be agonizing just like me. Um, so I, I think the the guys are more complex, and I think Bryce Harper's right there with them. You know, I mean, he he it, it's in a way I want to quote a, squ- a scout, right? Like uh, like you see him with so much zest and zeal and charisma that night on home run derby. It's like what a scout says when he goes to a game and sees a guy go five for five with three home runs. Yeah, it's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, if it's got to be in there, if you can do it once. Then you had the ability to do it, so I mean I think you see that and you go, okay, it's in there. So your takeaway on, on the Machado Harper thing is you're not saying either one or uh, coming I, here, but if you no. had to, you would say Harper would be the more likely. I'm intrigued to see how um, I'm intrigued to see how the market shapes for Harper, and if there is a place where the Cardinals fit. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm eager to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this would be a good time. There are alternatives. And this is where you wanted to go, the yeah. alternative. There I are, said A.J. Pollock. I thought that's who you were going to go with. I'm curious who this is. Oh, this oh is no. Fun. Oh, no. It's not one. Oh, plural. Yeah. I mean, you look at this free agent market, and you go, oh, wait a minute now. If the Cardinals really want to revamp things, and we heard yesterday about how they wanted to go back to player development, which doesn't compute because that's what they've been doing, right? <laughs> yeah. So they they're they they are doing crop rotation, which I've talked a lot about, and where they just they they rotate prospects and hope that one blooms, and if it doesn't, rotate out, mm-hmm. and uh, they just go there's crop rotation. But if they want to get back to their roots, the best team that we've seen here in recent years had some elements of what they have now, um, but was based around run prevention. Not run production, run prevention. If they want to go that route, there are ways to do that in the coming free agent thing where it's not chasing after a headliner, but it definitely is landing multiple free agents. Um, Iglesias, the shortstop from Detroit, a gifted glove guy. 
very, very good defensive shortstop. Right. Um, he is a free agent. A.J. Pollock, a solid, perhaps, yeah, an injury risk um, outfielder who m- might be Adam Eaton plus. And we know, and we've had oh, talks yeah. about Adam Eaton. A.J. Pollock does a good job of not making outs and um, is very appealing in that regard, um, especially if you get him and you count on him to play 120, 110, and you have Bader or O'Neal right. to pay to play the others. Um, yeah. A.J. AJ Pollock, very appealing. Corbin, left-handed pitcher, um, who is probably going to command a pretty good price, but not Dallas Keuchel price. Right. Um, Dallas Keuchel, left-handed pitcher, a fierce ground ball guy, right? Um, Old-school type of cardinal approach there, right? Go get meat contact. Show somebody from the left side, which they don't have a, a guaranteed guy, an established guy from the left side. So you look at this this free agent market, and really, it's like it's definitely like a kid at Toys R Us, right? Am I allowed to bring up Toys R Us? I believe so. Um, I don't think we have the an dearly departed KB. Well, no, the the dearly departed <laughs> yeah. Toys R Us. Yeah, Jeffrey, um, you know, like you go to to- Toys R Us, and you have the choice of you can get the hundred dollar at at. Or, or the one big gift, or you can get, you know, four different things that add up to it. And you can pull from a variety of aisles that I don't, I don't have to put all my stock in the Star Wars toy. I can also go get a board game and a Lego set and maybe a smaller Star Wars thing. And I can satisfy all my little universes of, of toy playing that I want to do. Um, and maybe make my, make my playroom a little bit more versatile. And, uh, you know, a little bit more, a little stronger through that versatility, as opposed to just having the one toy where if I don't want to play Star Wars that day, what good does that do? Right. Um, so you have the, you have that approach that you could take and that, and this free Asian market sets up for that. Derek, we talked about in, in spring training, uh, something that I conveyed to John Mazalek and he, he truly was, this was both at our picnic table, storied picnic table, and also, uh, in a podcast that we did at the conclusion of spring training, and I think he was, which was surprising to me, because I feel like he has a good pulse on the fan base. He acknowledges he's on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, we just don't he has know a new address. Oh, he does? He has a new, you, do you know the... Uh, the new one? Yeah. Uh, not entirely. Let me say no. <laughs> I noticed that was... Let me say no. Okay. But because he way. changed because Somebody got we knew it. it. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I have it written. I mean, I can... I have it written down. I have the old one written down. Is that right? I'll have to see what yeah. this is. We were able to decode it. Nicely done. So he he was kind of taken aback when I said, you know, fans are really frustrated. There's a lot of angst. And he said something along the lines. It was like Russell Crowe and Gladiator. Are you not entertained? Have you not been entertained by the last so yeah. many years? And people took that like, we think this team is going to suck. We don't think you did enough in the offseason like you said you were going to do. And we don't understand what you're doing. And he was like, really? And because he it sounded like anyway. And when we were talking in his office later in Jupiter, it's like, I think, I mean, we'll just see how this plays out. But we're very confident. I know people wanted us to go after Lynn or Arietta. Well, we think Michaelis is going to be better. That's what our analytics tell us. So if who you would replace, if you got Lynn or Arietta, you'd replace Michaelis. We think Michaelis is going to be good. He gets the, the home run with that one. Mm-hmm. But then the bullpen, a problem. Ozuna, a problem. So my point being, we thought there was angst in February and March 
Yeah. Now, since then, the team's floundering, seemingly playing boring, fundamentally poor baseball yet again. The manager's been fired. The hitting coach has been fired. The bench coach has been fired. There was no activity of, of real— Bench coach got promoted. Excuse me. I'm, I apologize. Yeah, yeah. Matheny, Mabry, Miller, out. Uh, and now you have Mike Schilt as the manager, but not a lot of activity on July 31st that excited people. Mm-hmm. And so I would say the angst is even higher. And so the guns that were pointed at Mike Matheny, now they're, they're still not winning, still not playing exciting baseball. Uh, and so now it's like, okay, who's next? And now I feel like for the first time, Mazalak is, is catching a, a great deal of heat for a lar- from a larger number of people than mm-hmm. before because he was catching it before. First question is your analysis of the angst in the fan base, and then the follow-up to that would be what can the Cardinals do outside of the obvious of start winning uh, to get the fan base back? So uh, this is tough. This is a tough place for me to weigh in on um, because, like you said, I'm an automaton. Uh, I've know. never said that because or I don't I'm know sorry, what that that's means. what I get called on Twitter. <laughs> still uh, to me. I'm gonna a bloodless in a search engine here. Uh, a bloodless <laughs> robot meant for creating copy. Um, I uh, okay. I hear what you're saying because I can. We can open up my email now and we can read the emails that I get. Um, and some are, uh, some are are are. are I, I wish I could unsee. Um, cause they're, they're just, yeah, I mean, they, sometimes it's the worst of, of folks. Um, but I know that that's that one person. Right. I don't read it. That person will say, and every so often I'll push back cause I get so frustrated. Like, uh, like they're like Cardinal nation believes this and I'll write back. Sometimes I do it on Twitter and go, no, you believe this. And now you're speaking and for everyone. I do not speak for Cardinal nation. Because you are vile, reprehensible, and awful at writing. Uh, please don't speak for the. And so I always try to go. Okay, look, you know that that's that that one person. Um, now it can, it can you know you get weighed into the chat, you weighed into my email, um, you know you read Twitter at one a.m. Um, it can be um, can be overwhelming. And yet they draw 40,000 people. So really how much angst is there? Are those 40,000 people coming to hate watch the Cardinals? Is that where they're at now? Like like you, you hate watch some show on Netflix because it's like it's on and you want that anger because you you don't like that actor. You don't like this. But, but it's entertaining to you to watch and yeah. be angry about it. Is that 40,000 people coming to hate watch the Cardinals? That, that doesn't make any sense. It's expensive to go. It's really expensive to go. Um, and when you get through the door, it's even more expensive to go. I mean, baseball is not cheap. The Cardinals are not cheap entertainment. So how, how do we measure that? You know, um, are, they, do, do, is, are the Cardinals become, in a way, like Wrigley Field a few years ago where the, game, the team wasn't very good, but the Wrigley experience was why people went. So are the Cardinals now a destination team, not because of the team on the field, but because of the laundry or the the you know the 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 destination or the fact that m- my father did this before me, I'm going to do it with my kids, and they're going to do it with their kids, and this is what we do. Is is the is the pilgrimage 
to downtown St. Louis for baseball, now such a cultural event that you just do it regardless of the quality of play on the field. Or, and this is probably more what is at stake, is that you do that, you go there um, because that's what you've always done, and then you see the baseball that you're not used to seeing, and you walk away angry. And that, I think, is maybe mm. where the the Cardinals need to be aware, is that they are a draw. They they certainly have a, they're a cultural phenomenon. They're a public trust. They are the they are St. Louis's ambassador to the world in the same way the Arch is, in the same way the Symphony is, in the same way. No, that's it. In the, in the, in the, in the, in the same way. I mean, in the same way John Hamm is now. I mean, look, you ask what do or, or Sterling K. Brown is now. Um, you ask, what do people know about St. Louis? How far down the list are they going to get before they get to the Cardinals? Is it one, two, or three? Yeah, I mean, it really is it. Yeah, this is it. Okay, so they have that place in culture. Now, to reward that place in culture, you also have to give a product that meets, meets the brand in which you're selling, and they sell winning. They sell October. October does not exist without St. Louis. It's except it has the past two years. And so this is where the real frustration, I think, I think that's where the, so it's not the loud um, cul-de-sac on Twitter, the loud, angry group that we are exposed to the most, right. but it's the average fan, the bell curve fan, right. who still goes and buys tickets, still goes to see a baseball game, and yet sees something on the field that is unrecognizable and leaves that game frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um or leaves that game and checks the standing and become frustrated. And it's as that group grows that the Cardinals should have some concern. So with that said, is there something that they can do that then reignites, or is it as boring as that's a great win? That's a great. I uh, I I feel like I feel like you're right. I feel like that's your answer was half the answer. The people go down there. And they don't recognize the quality of play. I also think they don't necessarily recognize a lot of the players and feel like there's somebody that they're going to see. Whereas, right. They don't have a tent pole player. Yeah. I mean, God. Well, I mean, Matt Carpenter, you know, what yeah, he's but I mean, doing. Yeah, 80, 80, what is it, 81 to 96, you had Ozzy. Then McGuire arrives in 97. Well, Pools in 01. Yeah. And no, then Holiday and then some winning after Pujols left. Since and 19, it's like they're not winning and it's boring and crappy. For 100 and, what is this, 18? No, so 20, so... For a hundred and give or take two years, 110 years, the Cardinals have had a unbroken run of one Hall of Famer and one championship for every generation. Huh. That's a nice little fun fact. Every generation. Side point, Hummel covering the team, also a Hall of Fame rider covering every year of professional baseball just as long without well, consecutively. Not always covering the Cardinals because there were two professional baseball teams, but, mm-hmm. or there were multiple. Right, right, right. But so every generation has had a standout player, has had a championship, and has had a somebody writing their story. How about that? How about that? That is Stanley, a great you, little fun fact. You don't have that anywhere else. Right. Um, Boy, that's incredible. You know, I mean, New York, because of the preponderance um, of population, uh, would come close, but there is a generation that does not have a championship in New- with the Yankees. As many as they won, 
my my dad's generation has all the championships from the Yankees <laughs> that my generation does not. Yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, <laughs> um, it, the the Cardinals are special in that regard. Um, I I, th- I think you hit on the, a really really good question, and it's it's one that uh, that there's not maybe you have an answer for it. Um, but but here this is the I it became very clear to me. Um, coming out of last year and coming into this year, and it became very clear to the Cardinals, and it became very clear to the manager and everybody around that Cardinal fans, especially the vocal group, wanted their pound of flesh. However they cloaked it in, they wanted their pound of flesh. They wanted somebody, they, they used the word accountable, accountable. We want somebody accountable. We want somebody accountable. Accountable was code for we want blood, right? We it want, is. I mean, they wanted punitive DFAs. They wanted releases they wanted firings and they wanted they wanted pink slips and layoffs and all this stuff and they cloaked it under this word accountable because that was somehow midwestern polite a euphemism a euphemism which i've called it yeah it was a euphemism um manager hitting coach assistant hitting coach fired fans got their pound of flesh correct in fact and it was a saturday night after the game, stunner. It happened probably the way a small sliver of fans wanted it to. And it came after a series of games that were unacceptable, not worthy of the jersey. I mean, in fact, I wrote that in the paper. Mm-hmm. They played a game that was not worthy of their jersey. I mean, it was a mess, right? Fans got their pound of flesh. The reaction was fascinating to me. Because it wasn't like, oh, we were right all along. Got it. Move on. It was piranhas. It was more. And now they were like, well, where are the punitive DFAs? Where are the where are the getting rid of the players that I don't like? Some of the emails I got, where are getting rid of the attitudes I don't like? Where are getting rid of the, you know, this guy, that guy? It was like, oh, they're willing to do this. Well, why don't they do this more? Why mm-hmm. They're willing to fire the manager. Well, why aren't they willing to fumigate the whole place? And, and I was like, I, I, don't think they, I don't think the Cardinals can win in that equation. Correct? Right. How do they win in that? I mean, sell the team? Is that the only way to win that? I mean, because if firing the manager leads them to only go, well, who's next? Is it the front office? Is it, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy? If DFAing um, Greg Holland and Tyler Lyons, which was called for um, by fans and, and media or whatever, right, um, isn't enough, and they want now, why isn't Fowler gone? Why isn't Brett Cecil gone? Um, if it's never enough, then what is the answer? And I, I don't know. the. I don't know. I feel like part of it is two things here. And again, this this might be taking it to a, a level that is that it is not worthy of as far as theories. But two things. I think recently, and I think personally, not only what I described as unfair, I think it's factually inaccurate unless we believe the Stanton thing was like some grand plan to make it look like they're willing to spend money knowing that he would never come here. And it was so meta, we were operating on the fifth level. You are giving them so much credit. Well, what, just, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, point. You yeah. Can't, so you're going to say they're cheap. 
But then yeah. they were in on one of the biggest, and a lot of people thought one of the more irresponsible contracts in baseball. So how does that work? Unless you think that was an act. So I get. And I, then I, if it's an act, then you can't say, well, why isn't why isn't Mo making smarter moves? Because you just accused him of being a mad genius <laughs> on the level of Lex Luthor. So with 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 the the that element of the fan base that no matter how many times I say that because I realize I only have so many you know people listening to the podcast and to the morning after. Mm-hmm. It frustrates me, but nonetheless, that there is in some capacity a feeling now of distrust or that the unspoken covenant between the organization and this incredibly loyal fan base, this region, has been broken because the team isn't playing well and the ownership isn't going out and doing whatever they have to do to reciprocate that loyalty by spending whatever they have to do to bring in, name your Hall of Fame caliber or superstar of the moment player. Yeah. So you have that. And then I also think, and again, I might be putting too much on this, is that for a region that over the last four or five years, uh, and you could certainly go back longer than that, but especially the last four or five years with Ferguson, the Rams, the MLS debacle, um, and overall feeling of insufficiency Mm -hmm. that you have had players leave, choose the Cubs, and Mm -hmm. in one case, choose to not come to St. Louis uh, for whatever reason. And so it's also a psychological validation of sorts for many people who, of course, grew up here and then live here that nobody's coming to play here. And so that brings frustration in, along with feeling like the ownership, in my opinion, wrongly, is not willing to spend money to solve this problem. Yeah, and I I think you have articulated that first part or the the part there about the the region very well um, in a way that, um, that I may not, that some people may think I'm not qualified to speak. I mean, I've lived here now longer than I have anywhere in my life. Yeah, unless you were conceived here, I don't think you can speak on it. Well, yeah. The, the, <laughs> it's a weird, it, isn't that a weird, that's why Amsinger was able to kind of yeah. pontificate yesterday on the MLB Network, which, by the way, I really enjoyed that, as I think I said earlier. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I've lived here longer than I've lived anywhere um, in my life. You know, I came here at, what, 24, 25, and... You know, I've lived here now longer than I ever lived in Colorado, certainly ever than I lived in Chicago or, you know, Chicago land um, and New Orleans. and Yeah, all of it. Um, and yet I'm often reminded I'm not from here. So I don't I don't I don't I want to tread lightly there and be respectful of it. Um, but I think you've articulated it very well um, and described it. And and I, I wish I could say I don't know. I don't know what to do um, to solve that except for the city, and this will bring us full circle, probably ought to do what the Cardinals do, need to do is figure out how to accentuate the positives. You know, Schilt has talked about this a lot, is that, you know, for so long over the last year, year and a half, and he refers to it as the narrative, the narrative about the Cardinals has been all the things they don't do well. And he's, he's right. You know, they don't play defense well. They don't run the bases well. They don't make decisions in the bullpen or get good execution well. There was a lot of don'ts. There was a lot of negative. And and he said lost in all that was the things that the team does do well and had to do well to have winning records. And what are those things? And how do you maximize those so that the other things catch up? Mm-hmm. Not so that the extent, not so that the positives mask the negatives, but so that the positives set the pace for improvement of the negatives. 
And I think there's something probably there for the city to learn too, or the region to learn is how do you recognize your positives, accentuate those, and then make all the negatives catch up, right? Mm-hmm. All right. What what are the good things that St. Louis has going for it? What are the good things that the Cardinals have going for it? All right. Let's find out why those are the good things. How did those come to be? All right. For the Cardinals, the good things they have going for it is a wealth of young pitching. They are a very skilled and strong organization when it comes to identifying drafting and developing the big, big part there, developing pitching. Why are they so good at that? And how can hitting catch up to that? And if it can't catch up to that, how can they flip these pitching things that they develop as well or better yeah. than any organization in baseball? How can they say, look, we will pollinate the league with our pitchers, which they're already doing. Five guys in Seattle have Cardinal roots, right? Um, so how do they pollinate the league with their pitching and their ability to pitch and 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 then get back the hitters that magnify? I I think that's 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 a big part of this. How do they recognize a positive? And I and they're doing this. I mean, they're not the Cardinals see this. You know, it's not just us. I mean, you know, I what they say what they say is stumping, right? It's a campaign speech. What they do is actually what matters. And what they do reveals that they see the same thing. They they see how good they are at developing pitching. And they want to get to a point where they maximize that. Um, have the defense that makes the most of that. Have the bullpen that holds on to that. Um, you know, But maybe understand that that positive can also set a pace for the negative. Which is why aren't the fundamentals still good? Right. Why... Why haven't you been able to develop that hitter that is the Jack Flaherty of hitting, um, that is the Jordan Hicks of the middle infield? Why ha- why don't you have that guy? Um, what what is the block that these guys hit that they aren't able to, or the ceiling that these guys hit that they aren't get to? And the same thing is true for the city. Look at all the wonderful things. And I had a conversation with um, a, a baseball executive, I guess. Last year it was, and uh, he was talking about how rare he comes to St. Louis, um, and his reasoning was because there there aren't things to do away from the ballpark. You know, basically he was talking about restaurants and stuff like that. And I'm like, right, because you stay across the street from the ballpark. <laughs> you know, I said you come to town, and look, man, I, 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 as we've discussed in this conversation, I'm not qualified necessarily to be the Chamber of Commerce. But man, look, there are restaurants in St. Louis that could survive in New Orleans. Why don't we hear more? I mean, we do. We, you probably can name some. I can certainly name some that are great restaurants. Now, in Chicago, they might have 20 of them. And here we might have five of them. But you know what? Five isn't zero. So don't get all lost in the fact that it's not 20. And that's too often what you do. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing with like with, with the Cardinals. Again, we see I see a lot of parallels, right? Okay, Cardinals have no star player, no star player, no star. Matt Carpenter led the National League in home runs and doubles. Was the highest WAR player last weekend, as of last week for this season. 
has this salsa thing going, right? And he's not a star. He's not. What, how is he not a star? Nolan Arenado does these things, you know, does the leads the home runs and leads in doubles and everything. And he is being touted as an MVP player. But Matt Carpenter's a disappointment, or could do more. Why? I, I don't. I don't understand that. Yeah. So, you know, maybe because because he's not Nolan Arenado, I guess. I don't. There's there's there are so many conversations, and maybe we're guilty of this too in the coverage. There's so com so many conversations that focus on what something is not that it ignores what it is, and that is true for St. Louis, and that is true at times for the Cardinals. So much discussion about what they are not. You know what the Cardinals aren't. They aren't the 2004 Cardinals. You know what no team in baseball is? The 2004 Cardinals. All right, so maybe we get over the what they aren't and start looking at what they are. And what they are is a 500 team struggling for an identity that doesn't have the, you know, the skill necessary or the talent necessary to stay on brand and contend with the Cubs. That's what they are. But they're not a losing team. They're not the Cincinnati Reds. They're not, you know, the San Diego Padres. They they're not. They're not even the Washington Nationals, who are underachieving so much that you you have a question of what direction they're headed in. Now, emphatic game, fine. They sent a message by bludgeoning the <laughs> Mets. Great. Do it again. You know. You know. Washington. Washington acts like an entitled team at times with, that has never won a playoff series. At times, the Cardinals act like an entitled team that can stand on 11 pennants or 11 championships. Okay, Same with St. Louis. How many conversations do you have about St. Louis? And I'm going on here for a while, so I'm sorry. But how many conversations do you have about St. Louis with friends or with people that don't live here or people that do live here that begin with what it's not? Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. I mean, don't you? Oh, it's it's it's, it's certainly the case. I mean, that's the, I mean, when when I, I you know we used to travel quite a bit before we had our son, and in 2014-15, so you're from St. Louis. Oh, how is everything there? Mm -hmm. Because the perception was, you know, St. Louis was Ferguson. That was and the that's national, fine. That yeah. was the national perception. Or we oh, should I'm own a, it. Like I'll play golf whether I'm in Florida or Las Vegas, and I get paired with people. Oh. Yeah, what do you got? Are you still a Rams fan? And I go, I look at him like, you, are you gonna be kidding me? You know, right. but but then that leads to that. So it is. Oh, Ferguson. Oh, the Rams. You know, most mm -hmm. people don't know about the MLS thing, but that certainly is a topic here. Sure. Uh, so that does crime become, rate. Crime rate. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that is. Oh, you live in the city. I live in the city. Yeah. Oh, you live in the city, huh? People. People live in. The, <laughs> how are the schools? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. I mean, you hear. You know, you don't. You don't hear, you don't have conversations start enough, and and St. Louis should change this. You don't hear conversations start up. Get, get to the problems. Don't don't hide from them. Don't run from them. Um, but again, find the positives, accentuate them, make the negatives catch up. Yeah. You know, start conversations with what you are, and if the Cardinals, and and, and don't don't also talk about what you were, you know. World's Fair ain't coming I back. I agree with that in a monster way. And, and the Cardinals, I'm on both fronts. On there, both the region fronts. and and the Cardinals. Yeah. I agree on that. I mean, you're a 22 year old, and you're like, I don't know, 
Seven years ago, I was 15, and I saw David Freeze. That was cool, but I don't really, you know, no disrespect to anybody, but I don't care what happened in the 60s or 80s. Oh, yeah. oh, 04, sweet. I was four, you know, or I was seven or whatever. My math is terrible, but my point is it yeah. isn't significant to somebody who grew up in Miami or the Dominican or New York or California or in Harper's case, Vegas. Yeah. It's, 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 for us, it's everything, Yeah, but for, for people outside, it's, it's not as significant. I really enjoyed this conversation. I don't know how long we went. Uh, but I think it was close to like an hour and 20 minutes. Oh boy. So hopefully, yeah, but I like that. I, I like going, I like going. You never have to apologize. Everybody who sits in that chair, like Joe Buck a few weeks ago, yeah. he goes, am I boring you with this? I'm like, no, just because I'm not saying anything. I'm engrossed. Like I'm yeah. sitting here playing on Instagram. Then that would be a tell, but I'm in. I just I don't want to interrupt. I noticed you were words with friendsing there for <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> it was still, still in a heated game. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I always enjoy our conversations. Uh, the deep dive. The yeah. deep dive into the state of the Cardinals here the day following the trade deadline. Can, can I stress one thing? Stress Just away. To, to, to kind of put a uh, summary on this is that whether it's St. Louis or whether it's the Cardinals, but particularly the Cardinals, um, there is a yearning. And, and Mosaic and I talked about this because he was frustrated with the questions. And, and my point to him is by nature, questions are asking you, I mean, look, um, the very nature of a question is to ask for a response. Mm -hmm. No. So if you want to be defensive um, to every question you possibly could, because that's the nature of a question. Um, so I asked them, I'm like, what, what are we missing here? What is, what is the theme that you're trying to convey that you think our questions aren't attacking? What is the silver bullet? And his point was, that's just it. There's not a silver bullet. He goes, there is a bigger there is a bigger thing here that, and and left unsaid are the moves they couldn't pull off. They tried, they tried to to make moves yesterday that make that would have made the trade deadline look different. Chris Archer is a Cardinal trade deadline Absolutely. looks different, okay? Absolutely. but they but it also maybe looks less because of what they had to give up, and that's the that's the calculus that they take in. But this notion that and and I understand where this where the conversation is headed for the next few months for the next four or five months. Of well, Manny Machado fixes this. Well, you know what, Manny Machado isn't closing games. You know, well, Bryce Harper fixes this. Right? There is there's a bobble that makes things look better, or there are moves that make the team better, and and I think that that's where where the conversation should should go. Is it's not just fixated on the one move that makes everybody the 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 instant gratification move mm -hmm. um that makes twi that sets twitter ablaze with excitement and makes everybody run down to the fan store and buy that jersey that is a great move for the cardinals to make however one move does not change this team mm -hmm. it might change the perception of the team but perception ends april when they actually have to play and what you want is a better team come April. You want a better team in the standings, not a better team on billboards. And that's probably a lesson for the team and a lesson for St. Louis as well, is it's not one thing that changes everything. It's not the great marketing campaign. It's not the fresh face on all the, on all the, uh, the, in the Jersey to sell. It's a, it's a series of moves that improves the entire infrastructure of the city or an entire infrastructure 
of a roster, and that's where the Cardinals are at. Derek Gould, presented by Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, I have a major regret about how I manage my money in my 20s and 30s. I'm almost embarrassed by it, but there is someone who can help you. It doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy I met with Mark and was thinking it would be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast, but I wanted to find out if he knew what he was talking about. And sure enough, after talking to him, I was saying to myself, I wish I would have known him 20 years ago because I'd be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. And that is the key that people don't think about when it comes to managing money. And it's so important. I sat with Mark. He opened up his iPad. He entered the dollar figures. It could be your 401k. It could be your savings. It could be your investments. And he puts you, your family, on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day. And he helps everyday people build a strategy to build their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college, to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, to not get blasted on taxes, and make sure your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. If you missed our podcast from the last few weeks, we've had had some great ones. Uh, Joe Buck for an extended conversation. Rich Gould, one that is becoming a fan favorite just for its randomness and Rich's sense of humor. That is correct. People spell them, they'll spell Rich Gould, G-O-U-L-D, but then Derek Gould is G-O-O-L-D. And there is no relation there. No, but there is a metaphor. I had the typo and I went into writing. See, there you go. What is going to happen? Otherwise, you'd be a sports director somewhere. I don't think so. No. <laughs> Anybody who listened to this podcast said there is no chance that guy can get a sports cast in at 2.30. No chance. That actually, I would agree, that I would agree with. You got 2.37 gold. I'm doing this. I couldn't do I hated that crap. No Here's chance. 15 seconds of highlights for you. On yeah. to the next thing. Uh, and then, Boom uh, goes the dynamite. I'm uh, out of there. that guy. Uh, and then uh, this week, Ryan Kelly telling his entrepreneurial story, which is an incredible one. Also, a lot of people have emailed me about that one. Coming up, Courtney Bryant, anchor on KMOV, who I think is absurdly talented and going to be a huge star. Uh, and uh, and Mike Shannon just did that interview. So that's coming up here on the podcast. And Iggy said Brett Hull's coming in. So we got a bunch for you. Subscribe to the podcast, The Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. James Carlton of State Farm Insurance has been with us from the very beginning. 314-961-4800, 314-961-4800. Big fan of his and what he can do for you. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. When I met with him, he said, check out my Facebook and Google reviews. I'm like, really? People are that excited about buying insurance that they're leaving reviews? And now that I've gotten to know him over the last year, I get it because the customer service is truly second to none. They'll do all the work for you to make the switch. You can just call them right away, and they pick up because they want that customer service to be second to none, and you get your questions answered. And when it comes to insurance, that's so important. James Carlton is the name, State Farm Insurance Agent. He has a staff of seven working with him in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800. James Carlton. 314-961-4800 online at carltoninsurance.net. Thank you to Derek Gould. Thank you, our sponsor of the studio, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Our guest presenting sponsor, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. James Carlton of the James Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet online at landoff.com and of course at 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exhibit, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, all sponsors of the Tim McKernan Show. Derek, I've enjoyed it. I always do. I love having these conversations with you. Just me and you, nobody else in the room, and we're just diving deep is what we're doing. We're diving deep. 
I enjoy it too. I enjoy the conversation. I, don't, I always wonder where, what directions will go. Well, that's uh, what I do every morning I, at seven o'clock. I have no idea which directions will go. Well, uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess sometimes, yeah, I, I guess I can feel that way sometimes about stories. I have no idea where the reporting will take me. Um, but no, I, I enjoy. It. I I think uh, I think I talk too much. I but I mean, that, but that's what you want in a podcast. It's not like hey, I, here's a quick back and forth for TV, and you know, you got like a twenty second sound. Yeah. I want this. This is the stuff I like. I don't know if it's good for the the you know, 20 somethings or 30 somethings or 40 somethings who like, you know, quick, quick, quick. But this is what I do. I like, lo- that's why I loved Buck's show on the audience. Yeah, network. Yeah. I loved Letterman's show on Netflix. I like the interview. Well, later with Bob Costas was great. Later was another great one. I love those kinds of just like long, expansive uh, interviews because you get perspective and context that you wouldn't otherwise get in Twitter, uh, 15 second soundbite. So I enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you for coming in. Happy to uh, do always it. Always enjoy the conversation. Thank you for listening to the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.